Hello and welcome to another episode of Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. Picking ourselves up after the horrors of last week's episode. Um, we are still here. I'm Tom Beasley, your Waterloo Road superfan. And Luke is still here as well. Um, I apologise for last week. It's not going to help your burgeoning fandom, is it? Nah. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. The people will be calling. They'll be, they'll be back on the Epiro by Epiro type. It's one of those things where... You know, it's like it's like promising a tax cut to conservatives. As long as you promise that, you'll you'll get everything else through. So my uh, my anger towards Kevin's will be washed through the door because I am living that epirode by epirode hype. Every wow. every time we don't see the phrase or hear the phrase "everything from nothing," <laughs> there's just a new <laughs> a new quill in my <laughs> quill holder. Um, <laughs> I mean, I meant to say arrow in my quiver, but I think not confused. You did. I think you did. <laughs> God, I could, I could teach English at Waterloo Road. You're equally qualified. All, all you Every bugger else does. All you have to do is verbally abuse children and then complain about how the unions will see it. But like, I saw, um, it happened in the last episode, and it's happened in this one as well. They have Tom and Lorna doubling up. Teaching yes. English. Yeah, they're team teaching. Episodes. We learned about the team teaching before. When did there we was, do that? There was a whole departmental meeting about the team teaching. Come on now. I can't remember these things. Because if we, the, if we didn't listen to that episode of series one because for today. Because for a long time, um, Tom and Izzy were team teaching. And it was all while they were about to get together. And so it was all a bit weird. No, but like, I they just had, get the impression... Had, when, was... when Ms Davenport came to inspect... They had the, the drama session where it was the only time we've ever seen a good lesson at Waterloo Road. And it was Tom and Izzy having them yell Shakespeare at each other. Which no one understood. <laughs> no, no one understood it. Us included. But <laughs> <laughs> no one understands Shakespeare. Um, no, I just thought it was like they have so many English teachers that they're now having to double up. <laughs> just not enough kids. Um, so we start, actually, this week's episode with... Um, solving one of your problems because we learned that a week has passed since the last episode yeah exactly a week really early <laughs> on which is nice of them um I, i've actually got it as a note i just wrote at least they give us a period of time yeah. <laughs> um so we see izzy thanking tom for how supportive he's been over the last week um chloe and mika are basically have, have decided that they are not going to tell their mother about what happened with stacy that um perspective will not age well <laughs> like in the whole of human storytelling, has there ever been, been a plot line that starts with, we shouldn't tell person <laughs> X because it will upset them. That always ends with person X. And you can put a button on it. It's just like, oh, by the end of this episode, they know. You might as well just, you might as well just tell them there. From a plot yeah. perspective, it's like, oh, okay, so we know she's going to find out. So it's just waiting for when. You, you suggest they should have told her the minute she got back from the hospital. <laughs> By the way, um, your old girl jumped into Tom's bed while you were in hospital. I know you've had a night of it, but <laughs> we found this, okay? Um, so we go, we go uh, to the school where um, they find out that another girl has been attacked, and Jack is even more tone deaf than usual. Even I, more tone deaf than usual. Jack is insane. He's, he's going on about the publicity, how it's going to look to the press. Then he decides he's going to call the press to come and look at the self-defense classes. Talks about loads of girls in their gym gear, which Kim absolutely lacerates him for very rightly. I don't like... I kind of like, like the idea that every time like a man says something stupid... Kim is the person who says that was stupid. It kind of makes Kim look like a downer rather than the voice of reason. We got a you little bit of Izzy. We got a little bit of Izzy doing it in the last episode with Grantley. Yeah. But like, Andrew just looks incredulous but doesn't say anything. You kind of know that if Jack pushed it through, Andrew would say, I'm not entirely on board with this, but it's what Jack wants. <laughs> like, you just, you just need some point, you know, because the men in this show are awful. Yeah. Give them something. Give them something to say, Jack. Don't put pictures of girls in their gym clothes. I mean, this, this, this episode even threatens to tear down ordinary man icon Tom Clarkson, so... <laughs> um, so, yeah, Lorna's uh, angry at Andrew because he hasn't paid her any attention over the last week or so. Um, 
he he doesn't know that she's ill um and he's basically at this point as we learn looking for a way out of the relationship um just to go back a bit how do you feel about the whole kind of we'll have another baby response from like tom and izzy and i i, I mean I, I i i get it i think it's the I, in some ways perhaps the healthiest response is is to kind of rather than rather than go oh no this is awful is to to find a way to get through it and to look on the positive side I guess after a, what we can assume has been a very difficult week. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of like the kind of way it's phrased is kind of almost like oh don't worry we'll have another baby. It, it is it is it's quite like, thrown away as, as as if to say it's like you as, drop as some food. Yeah, as as if as if Tom's gone well I've got two women pregnant in the last year so. <laughs> Yeah, it just feels it feels very much like you've bought someone an ice cream and the ice cream's dropped and you've said, we'll buy you another ice cream. Yeah, it's I, it, it felt, you know, I don't know. Just, I think the way it was said or the way it was written, just kind of like I don't I, um, I don't disagree with the idea that, you know, the response from people is to you know say, well, we can try again. But it feels like a week after a huge trauma, um, it feels odd. Just be like, oh, don't worry, we'll have another one. It's as easy as lot. Yeah, it's 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 it, it's strange the way that's handled. Um, so meanwhile, uh, Kevin has brought Maxine to school. She's re-enrolled at the school. She's trying to get uh, get back on her feet. Um, that uh, may not necessarily um, go well. Certainly, we see later on that Seddon has become angry at Maxine because she's not got the money as quickly as he wanted. Um, in that scene, but uh, we may as well talk it talk about it now because Kevin calls Seddon a slug. Which I thought was an odd insult to throw at someone. That feels like a very Twitter insult. <laughs> it, it does feel like you know what brand, what what wing of politics people call slugs. Uh, it must be Lib Dems, mustn't it? The Lib Dems are an easy target. So there was a joke going yeah. around. There's a joke going around on Twitter this week that the <laughs> the new rules about lockdown gatherings of up to six people means the Lib Dem conference can go ahead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think, like, yeah, like the right wing people like gammons. Yeah. Um, yeah, live them must be slugs. <laughs> sure. I say this, you know, not to, I don't put them on the same pedestal as Kevin's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we learn that, that Stacy is, is very keen to talk to anyone she possibly can about the situation with Tom. Um, in a lesson um, with Janice, she spins an absolute yarn to, to Janice about everything that's happened with Tom, suggests that Izzy actually had an abortion. It's an incredibly tall tale, which Chloe just seems to sit there and listen to. Um, I mean, she goes to speak yeah. to Tom afterwards and says, this is what's happening, but she doesn't correct anything in the moment. Yeah, like, then... The first time we met Chloe, she was bottling herself. Yes. So she's got a stomach for some stuff. So I had the feeling that if someone was saying that your mum who had a horrible accident was having an abortion because she doesn't love Tom Clarkson, who you've also slept with, I feel like Chloe would take issue with that. I feel like she would. I feel like the way they kind of stage it is that Chloe knows that she's saying something, but she doesn't know exactly what she's saying. Maybe. Which kind of is that. Because but that's what doesn't make sense. Because even Chloe doesn't hear any of it, but then goes and tells Tom that she's been mouthing off about it, or she hears all of it and she goes, "I'm okay with this web of lies you're spinning." To Janice, because Janice believes whatever she's told by the last person she speaks to. So, uh, if Chloe, so if she, Chloe she spoke, should be president. So, <laughs> so if Chloe had spoken to her afterwards, Janice would have gone, "Yes, Chloe, that sounds right." <laughs> Um, but what actually happens is we know that Janice, in her bones, loves justice more than anything. She seeks vengeance. Vigilante justice. She seeks, yeah, she seeks bloody retribution. Um, so she... <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so she, she um, goes to Kim and, and basically suggests that Tom Clarkson might be the, the, the attacker. She doesn't call Tom the attacker. What does she call him? I don't know. She calls him, she refers to the attacker as the pervert. Oh, right, yes. She's like, I think Tom might be the pervert. <laughs> <laughs> it's the tabloid nickname. <laughs> can you, um, can you uh, title this episode? <laughs> I think Tom might be a pervert. <laughs> uh, 
For obvious reasons, no. Um... Um, so Kim uh, voices uh, voices this to Andrew. Uh, Jack is away for the day, um, so Kim goes to Andrew with this. Um, d- delivers the brilliant assessment of Janice as being about as discreet as a pillar box with a mouth twice the size, which I thought was a nice a nice depiction of uh, of Janice's character. What's a pillar box? A letter box. Oh, <laughs> why would you call it a pillar box? It's just another name for it. Where? I don't know. It just is. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard I, that I, in my I life. Don't know, I don't know what to tell you. It just is another day for it. <laughs> oh. Red things. Usually on corners of streets. <laughs> Pillar box. That's insane. That's not right. That's the thing you're taking. <laughs> of all of the things you could complain about in this episode. I just don't get that. Why, why, that doesn't make sense. It's, it's just what they're called. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> why, aren't, why aren't more people writing shows for the sensibilities of people in the southeast of England? I don't get it. I'm so, I feel so unrepresented in this. So um, Andrew and Kim uh, speak to Tom about it. They do a, a quintessential good cop, bad cop when they interrogate Tom. <laughs> they do. They really do. Also, I know it's not, it's not on the same scale, but like... This up until this point, they will defend the teachers against anything, right? Yeah. Like, but they seem to go very quick to Tommy. You definitely did this. They seem to go very quick there, and there's a lot of kind of like there's a thread in it around like, oh, Tom, you've always had the the girls have always had a thing for you, and you've never stopped it, and now obviously this has happened. And like, considering last week they had a quite a frank conversation about victim blaming, like, again, the scale is absolutely not the same. But it just feels odd that, like, Kim, who is in that conversation of just because someone looked doesn't mean it gives them the right to do, etc., is now saying to Tom, Tom, you've always enjoyed the attention of the girls. It was obvious this was bound to happen. Why didn't you nip it in the bud sooner? It's just like, Tom, Tom isn't at fault for falling asleep and then a 15-year-old girl climbing in his bed. <laughs> It's yeah. It's it. The way it's handled is is quite strange. It seems to be that the suggestion is that it's good for Tom's ego for all these pupils to fancy him, and he hasn't done enough to kind of slap them down on it. Um, I think Tom needs another boost to his ego. Like he's, I, by my reckoning, he's had sex with every teacher at the school by the, at this point. <laughs> By the end of this show, how many of these teachers, how many teachers will Tom Clarkson have had an affair with? <laughs> He's just a simple man with simple needs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Janice talks to Maxine. We learned that they are friends um, and were friends before she went away. Um, uh, Janice, at this point, changes her tune and suggests that Lewis Seddon might be the pervert. Everyone's a pervert, Janice. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they well, like dinosaurs. How old, how old is Janice? Janice is friends with every single student at this Regardless school. Regardless of age. <laughs> I like the idea that by series 10, she's still in it. <laughs> and she's still in the same school uniform, just like... Yeah, we don't, we don't really know. Um, so uh, Tom confronts uh, Stacy. Um, and then goes to to tell Izzy what's going on, basically. Um, She boils over, and he, with terrible impulse control, immediately defaults to Tom Clarkson at his most obvious, which is, it must be Lorna's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a a thing that really bothers me about so many shows. It's always men who are written this way as well. It's just like, if you took time to explain the circumstances fully, no one would grab the wrong end of the stick. But the plot demands that she has a negative reaction to this. So you're not going to walk in there and say, when I was asleep the other night, unaware, a 15-year-old girl came and got into bed with me, I woke up and threw her out. You're going to start it with, when she was over the other night, she was in bed with me. Yeah. Of course, why, why would you do that? Just like, I don't understand why people are just so flagrant with their language. There's a lot, <laughs> of, like, there's a lot in this episode, in fact, of particularly Tom, um, being written to say something in a certain way because the scene needs a negative reaction out of the other person. 
Yeah, yeah. And so Tom Definitely. has to explain things like an idiot as he does in this scene. Yeah. Um, but like the thing is, like I, at this point, I'm starting to believe that Tom and Lizzie aren't right for each other because earlier on, when Tom was like being distracted, but he was basically he had a conversation with Stacy, and then was it Stacy? That's her name, right? Yes. Oh, good. I'm not going mad. Um, she's she comes over and goes, "Oh, Tom, what's wrong?" He goes, "Oh, I'm lost in a lesson plan." <laughs> Tom Clarkson has never been lost in a lesson plan. They, in his they life. do a nice little literature joke after that because he goes Sylvia Plath, and she goes, "It's enough to make anyone down." It's a good. It's a good line. It's a, it's a good line. Maybe not in the circumstances where this school currently finds itself in, where no. a lot of the people are dealing with rather severe emotional trauma. Yes. Um, so uh, Chloe and Mika are, are, are now in, uh, interviewed by the new um, body cop duo, Kim and Andrew. Um, <laughs> uh, Chloe and Mika give their account um, uh, of what happened, um, but there's a sort of smoking gun moment where um, they're both asked if Tom reciprocated in any way, and Mika does a sort of telltale hesitation. Why? What did Tom do? <laughs> that was the thing I looked at. I was like, again, that moment is written only to make that Kim way. and Andrew more suspicious. But like, also, we were talking about it a couple of episodes ago. No one ever picks up on the facial cues in this show <laughs> at all. But this moment, they suddenly do. It's just, it's bonkers. But like Mika just pulls a face for absolutely no reason. And then later in the episode, she's like, oh, mum, don't be mean to Tom. Come on. It's like Mika, <laughs> he's, he's just this. a simple man. <laughs> ask him about Gareth Southgate. Ask him, ask him. No, it's, it's, it's yeah, that, that hesitation is, is very odd. We then get, we get a scene in Steph's classroom where um, Maxine is struggling with her French work and, Steph really kind of, it leans into a very noughties Vicky Pollard type thing where Steph says, oh, Maxine's going to end up claiming benefits with X many children and then Mm. makes a questionable crack about how she's going to end up in a refuge for beaten women, at which point Maxine kicks off and says, well, Lewis doesn't hit women. Like, Steph just decides to stand up and loudly start yelling about a student who was expelled, which is odd enough, and then she goes you're going to end up on a council estate. When I'm pretty certain in the first episode, it's established that nearly all of the students from this school are from council estates. They are all from the home. And she's like, you don't want to end up in any of these places. Like every other person around there is going, well, I live in one of those. What are you saying, teacher, who's having this unnecessarily loud conversation that's clearly <laughs> meant for only two people? Yeah. Um, we then get an, an, one of the, the show does this occasionally. There was one a few episodes ago, a sort of egregious, sad person montage set to a song. So we get... What it, song? It's Shazam. It's, it's High by Feeder, says Shazam. Um, <laughs> See, because it wasn't naive by the kooks, I had no idea what it was. <laughs> I, had, I was not following a single second of it. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a, a selection of sad Tom and Izzy scenes which don't really add anything, but presumably the episode was running 30 seconds short. Um, so they had to, <laughs> had to include them. Um, Stacy is then interviewed. Um, she defends Tom and, and criticises um, Janice for having a big mouth. Um, we then get Kim and Andrew having um, a conversation about how well Kim believes Andrew has, has um, handled it, how level-headed he's been. And she says that Jack would have gone at it, quote, like a bull at a gate. Which is not a saying I've heard. That's not the expression. No. <laughs> Wait, is it like the kind of bullfighters or like the bull riders when it like it pops out the gate and jumps like I I'm guess. doing hand gestures. <laughs> like a rodeo. Yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe guess. that's what she means. But there is a saying for what bulls do when they're going into somewhere without being level headed. And it is not <laughs> bull at a gate. Uh, maybe and, even and the writers if, of this show went bull in a china shop is overused. Yeah, if ever there was a man for whom the phrase bull in a china shop explains everything he does, it's Jack Rimmer. Yeah, yeah. I do want to say, like in the show's uh, in in the show's credit, like I feel like the way they kind of they space out and write the kind of interrogation stuff, it works really well because you kind of see we as an audience obviously know what happened, but you can kind of see in how the descriptions of what happened, how the language, how the framing of stuff would inform them to believe that something might have gone on. Mm. So there are like, there are nice like lines that, you know, um, Stacy says that Chloe and Mika say and that Tom say, which, you know, when they're picked up 
and then put together it could actually tell a story of something that that happened obviously we know it didn't but you can understand how kim and andrew got there which is you know it, it's something that the show doesn't do very much which is usually it just kind of goes right these people are against these people go yeah whereas especially, here they especially kind of... with andrew because we know andrew's very letter of the law jack's very much oh i stick by my friends and i stick by my teachers and all that whereas andrew's like you know he spends most of this episode going we have to suspend him because yeah that's that. That's the way this needs to work. So it's it, it is interesting the way that works. A line I um, missed from earlier. Again, having praised Kim, we now need to kind of question her a little bit. So when Janice turns up to say Mr. Clarkson could be a pervert, Kim, head of pastoral care, says that's a serious allegation. Take it back. Like, <laughs> no, that's not what you say. <laughs> if a child comes to you with a disclosure, you do not say take it back, please. <laughs> Wall of silence. Wall of silence. It just reminded me of that scene in The Inbetweeners when they accuse um, Neil's dad of being a paedophile. <laughs> and, and, and Simon's dad just goes, that's a very serious allegation. If you want to repeat it, we'll take it seriously. But if you want to tell us the truth, then it never happened. Then we can... <laughs> <laughs> Lead, leading questions, Your Honour, I think. <laughs> um, so we get a, a scene with Brett and Mika next. Brett always gets a soundtrack. This time it's Dog in a Bag by the Fratellis. Um, Again, yeah. if it's not the Kooks, I just don't know. Not the Kooks. That's the only, um, that's the only music I know now. It's, it's Fratellis and it's not Chelsea Dagger, so we were all reaching for Shazam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was another Fratelli show. <laughs> so um, he asks Mika out, but as friends, and Mika, to her credit, puts her cards on the table and says, I don't want to be just friends. If we're going to go out, I want to go out properly. God, if I had the bravery that Mika has then yeah. at any point in my formative years. And considering you know, the, the problem she's already gone through with, with Brett and the whole Leanne Galloway situation, credit to yeah. her for, for just saying what she wants. She's got it from Tom. Yeah. She's lived with Tom long enough. <laughs> yeah. If I, you know, if I had acted that way, God, the rejections I would have had, <laughs> the sheer number, but, you know, cleansing rejections, cleansing, cleansing rejections. Um, so we get Tom and Lorna sort of sniping at each other, Lorna saying that, that Tom's chickens have finally come home to roost effectively with the way he shows off for his female admirers. Um, Tom at this point says, Grantley says the union's got to back me 100%. Tom of can rely course. on his union. <laughs> That's what the union is there for. To defend alcoholics and sex criminals. <laughs> uh, Obviously, is... again, again, can we just say we are pro-union. We are just against the way that unions are brought up in this show, which is only we're gonna, ever... We're going to have to like play out with like a Billy Bragg song one week, just to like <laughs> level it out. <laughs> but like, again, the unions are only... Like, in, this, in this case... In this case, Tom is in the right to go to the union because he's being accused of something he yes, didn't do. It's literally but what like, the union is there for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, but the union has only ever revoked in the same sentence as Grantley, who's just like... <sighs> um, so, um, I find... Sorry, I find it quite really difficult to believe why Izzy turns to Lorna in all of this. So, like, let's, let's not forget that a week ago, literally a week ago in Waterloo Road time, not even in, like, this podcast life... <laughs> You know, if, say, last week, Tom, during the podcast, I pushed you down and you severely injured yourself, would you have forgiven me by now? Probably not. No. And if I was to have pushed you down and you lost your baby, would you have forgiven me for that now? No. No. But Izzy turns to Lorna as if she's the only person in the world she has as a, a confidant. It's, I just find that so bizarre. I know it's like a limited number of teachers in this school, but still, I just find the fact that Izzy and Lorna are just like, ah, oh, we're on each other's side, like the good old days when Lorna literally assaulted her last week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. Like, I think like, they, they, it's, they try and frame it as them both supporting each other, um, you know, Lorna with her, with her illness and all of that. It's, <laughs> the narrative requires them to be friends again, is, is the essence yes. of it. Um, so uh, Jack is then back at the school, um, so Kim and Andrew send Tom, send Tom up to Jack. Um, 
Tom brilliantly calls Jack on his own um, history. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it in block capitals. <laughs> it's like, you can't be having these relationships with teenage girls. And Tom's like... He says, you're a fine one to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Again, because oh, this, this is fresh in my mind because I listened to like the episode five of series one um, recently. But like Jack never says to people... I didn't actually. He announces to people, I had sex with an underage girl and she might be the father of, the, I might be the father of her child. But he never actually tells them he didn't do it. So as far as we're to believe, Tom's just sat here taking a lecture from this man. He's like, hang on a second. <laughs> I delivered your I baby. I was going to say, I delivered, <laughs> literally held your baby in my arms. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we get some some great uh, Grantley and Andrew union um, <laughs> union battling. Yeah, unions Gr- are good now. Gr- so Grantley's sitting in on the interview like he's Tom's attorney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Grantley says something about um, you know we'll leave now. I'll take it to my voters. Andrew, in the most Tory of ways, just sort of <laughs> chortles in the background at the mere mention insane. of a union. <laughs> And then Grantly this says, insane. The Grantly says, the union will do whatever the union considers necessary, and then leaves. Which <laughs> sounds like a threat. It does. It does. Um, so we see Stacy leaving the school. She's obviously very upset about everything that's happened. Um, she passes uh, Lewis Seddon and his group of cronies. Um, they're hoping to kind of um, get and beat up Kevin after the slug comment. Yeah, Lewis, like, no one calls me a Liberal Democrat and gets away with it. <laughs> what I love about doing this is that occasionally we'll say something early in the podcast and I'll go, I'll cut that for time if we need to. And then without fail, <laughs> you call back to it 15 minutes later. <laughs> but the good, it's good, it's good, it's, it's, it was worth it. <laughs> and literally, literally every time. Jack, Kim and Andrew are having a meeting. Um, Jack is still, for some reason, going on about headlines. He's worried about what the press will think of all this. Again, why, like, I think we've been over this loads of times, but why is a school so obsessed with the press? <laughs> I, as I've said, I think the Rochdale advertiser or whatever it is has obviously got <laughs> a very, very fearsome reputation. What's another name for local papers? We think of a new one every time. So we've got the Rochdale advertiser, the Rochdale Metro... <laughs> The Rochdale Voice. Rochdale, that's very local paper. Rochdale yeah, yeah, Voice. my local paper was called The Voice. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a, there's a kind of tense SLT chat. Um, Jack decides he's not going to um, take further action with Tom. Um, he then says, uh, we're going to go uh, out. Me and Davina are going for dinner. Um, he invites Andrew and Kim to come along. We later learn in a chat with Davina that... Um, he's hoping to quote stoke a few fires and, and get Kim and Andrew together. Um, which is weird seeing as far as he knows, Andrew is literally in a relationship with another member of his staff. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that the head teacher is just like going, I'm taking a hard line on this. Yeah. The, you, my teachers are allowed to have sex with the members that I approve of. Yeah, exactly. We did. I mean, we and did I'm, see... allowed to have sex, I'm allowed to have sex with them when they get good grades. <laughs> <laughs> What is wrong with this school? <laughs> what honestly is wrong with it? I don't, Does, did you like? Did you have running things with teachers at your school? Or teachers in relationships at your school? Um, there were some teachers that were in relationships, but it was never like dramatic. No, I think there was a pair of teachers who were on the same floor who, by all accounts, were in a relationship and split up. So that was drama because they were on the same floor. And all of the students were like, ooh. And then there was obviously, because it's schools, the rumour was, a bit like a Tom and Izzy situation, the rumour was that that, the male teacher had had an affair with another female one. And apparently, this never happened, but apparently someone asked him um, whether that happened and he denied it. But why would a teacher even acknowledge that question without smacking the child? Just just tested them, (laughs) you are for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's how teachers handle um, <laughs> students out of line. Says, I won't deal with this to your face. I will send you a text that could be interpreted in at least eight different ways. <laughs> yeah, that's the only kind of like teacher relationship drama I remember. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of it at my school, I must say. Um, 
we see a, a very, very odd Brett and Davina chat where they're sort of suggesting to keep their distance, but also not keep their distance. This relationship does they not gonna, make sense. No, I, I know what you're going to do. We're not going to do it. <laughs> Let me say it. Let me say it, goddammit. They could write government social distancing advice. There it is. Am I right? There we go. There it is. I'll still be relevant in 10 weeks' time. We did it. We said it. Um, uh, Jack then shows up. it. <laughs> Jack shows up as as Brett leaves. Jack walks in. It's it's a very sort of kind of fast very, situation. It's where, very Joe Alton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Jack uh, asks Davina to move in with him. Um, this is why the show needs timescales, because Jack then says, "I've only known you two minutes," and I believe him. <laughs> it would be because I've only I'm, known you for three episodes. <laughs> And by all accounts, time doesn't exist in Rochdale. <laughs> just, it's just a vortex wait. where Davina's <laughs> aged 85 years. Jack has aged eight minutes. It's the plot of the new Christopher Nolan film, isn't it? <laughs> um, My social so we, distancing crack is better. <laughs> so we catch up with um, Lewis Seddon's gang, who are kind of chasing down Kevin and lose him in some bushes. Um, Stacy, meanwhile, is sort of um, kind of alone with her thoughts in this playground. She goes to walk back to school um, and the attacker um, jumps out of the bushes and tries to get to her. She fights him off and legs it, um, then bumps into Lewis Seddon um, and uh, accuses him of being the attacker. Um, Seddon then looks around the corner and sees Kevin, himself concluding that Kevin is the attacker. Um, so uh, we, we see Izzy telling Kim that she feels uncomfortable about the situation w- with Tom and the explanation and, and all of that. Um, she then goes home with the girls. Tom has prepared um, a meal for them all. Um, she flips out, flips the table, kicks him out of the house. Tom, what does he do? He blames Lorna. He says, Lorna's put you up to this. <laughs> it's right. all, this, this, whole, this whole scene is, as we said earlier, the the drama needed people to react in a certain way. It doesn't. None of their reactions make sense. But they're the, no, right, I've got the story so needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's like first of all, Tom. If you're buying flowers, it's tantamount to an admission of guilt. That's <laughs> that's all men know this. That's why I never buy my other half flowers, and we've never been happier. Really. <laughs> um, I've never bought flowers. I've never admitted fault. It's all perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, Izzy and Tom were happy an episode ago. Yeah, happy an episode ago. And at, at, the, be- at the end- beginning, at the beginning of this episode, they were on. Yeah, they were. They'd got each other through a difficult I, week. I cannot make sense of how we have gone from there to Izzy saying, "I'm glad I lost the baby." Yes, which is what she says. I, um, and, you know, we talked about this already, that, you know, earlier in the season series, we were at a suicide attempt every six and a half episodes. Yeah. We are now at a, I'm glad I've lost Tom's baby every eight episodes. Yes, we are. Come on, pick other story beats. I know. It's, it's like, it's... it's kind of, it's one of those things where, because they want it to have the extremes and the extreme emotions, they're like, the only way we can get these extreme emotions is we have to have a pregnancy or a baby involved. That's how we get these things. So like Tom and Lorna splitting up isn't about them splitting up. It's about them losing a baby in the middle of it. Tom and Izzy, they don't just split up, they lose a baby. And it's like, you know, people can split up without you having to keep reusing that. It's like, I don't know. I I feel like it works once. I, again, I know we've watched all of these episodes in the space of eight weeks, and in real time, they happen over a year, so maybe people forgot. But it does just feel a bit insane that we are already at a point where someone else is telling Tom they, they're glad they've lost his baby. They also return to kind of a theme that we've seen with Tom and Izzy before, albeit one they've forgotten about, which is Izzy's kind of distaste at the whole thing, that she feels it's all built on dodgy foundations, and that she's worried about how it will affect the girls. And I think... Yeah, she's co- got some... Re- She's got some real chaos theory. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a butterfly. It's like a butterfly effect thing where she's like, <laughs> everything's gone wrong since we got together. She's like, maybe even Stacy would be less messed up if we never got together. 
<laughs> I don't think that would have been true. <laughs> I don't think if I don't think if Tom was single, Stacy would have been happier. <laughs> no, it's a strange one. It, it, Izzy again, like I, I think, and we said this in the last episode. I think Jill Halfpenny's really good as Izzy, but the problem is that the show just piles suffering on top of her, and and doesn't give her any kind of any respite from it and any room to just be a character like some of the scenes in series one where we just sort of see her being a mum to the girls are really lovely but we, we don't get any of that now that she is constantly at the epicenter of all of the drama yeah it's it's so full-on like but again this doesn't make sense like how they get from here to there just does not make sense so you have this kind of like, you know, both of them are giving it, both of the actors are giving it a lot. And, you know, it's admirable they're doing it well, but the material is just so thin. It's like, why, why are they here? <laughs> like, one day of school has passed <laughs> and this is what has happened. I understand that during that day of school, your other half has been accused of something you don't then want him in your house for. But still, if, you, if it was built on the kind of trust that you come to expect from the two of them, like... It just doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me. And then Tom does the uh, goes to the Jack Rimmer school of I did nothing wrong and rushes to get drunk. Absolutely. Um, that, that that's like one below buying flowers. Yeah, it really is. So we 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 see as you said Tom getting very drunk with Grantley. Um, he he also drunkenly then knocks on Lorna's door. And I would like to credit um, Jason Dunn, the actor who plays Tom, for some genuinely good drunk acting. Which I don't think he's... It's, it's not easy to do. And I think he does it pretty well. No, yeah. I mean, when I used to do drama, when I did Drunk, it was very Benny Hill. Yeah. I think he does it really well. Um, and we'll, sort of, we'll stick with that storyline. He, he, um, uh, Lorna kind of accepts him into her home. And... Um, uh, he he sleeps on her her sofa. Um, she tells him about um, the MS, um, sort of thinking I think that he might not even kind of remember it, but it, it clearly has a kind of profound impact upon him. Perhaps because he's been given the butterfly effect le- lecture by Izzy. Yeah, did I cause this? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that uh, Lorna trusts Tom on his couch. <laughs> oh, that's where he first committed adultery. <laughs> <laughs> Now, no adultery on this one, Tom. No, this please. is a different couch. <laughs> you're, you're drunk, just pissing yourself, please. <laughs> um, uh, parallel to all this, um, we have uh, Lewis has called up Maxine, um, says that he believes that Kevin is, is the attacker. Almost exactly at that time, um, the police turn up to arrest Seddon for uh, attacking Stacy. Um, he gives a pretty convincing performance in his police interview, telling them quite clearly that it's Kevin um, and, and that it's not him. Um, this does not stop them charging him, though, for some reason. What is it like? Again, American TV. Um, but like, I, I was just thinking that they arrest him based off one accusation, which, I, which is fair enough to question him. But then they charge him with no forensic evidence of any kind and no evidence tying the scene than one person. And like, I was like, come on. I know but, this is... Yeah, they, they, they charge him solely on the basis that he doesn't have an alibi. Yeah. That's, Which is that's, like, that's know, all they have. Yeah. They, again, I, I think like the opening of Serial is like asking people where they were six weeks ago. If you came and asked me about a crime that happened in Sutton six weeks ago and say, where were you that night? I wouldn't be able to bloody tell you. <laughs> no, I mean, in fairness, At home. To, in fairness to these <laughs> police officers, that crime had literally happened an hour before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, where were you an hour ago? It was an easier question to answer. <laughs> um, so uh, following up on, on what Seddon said, the cops go to speak to Kevin. Um, they kind of leave pretty sharpish. They're not really convinced. Um, but Maxine really changes her mind because she notes that her mother has lied to give um, Kevin an alibi. Uh, she then goes and finds the balaclava in his bag. You'd hide your balaclava. You would definitely hide your balaclava. Any pervert yeah. worth their salt. I'm <laughs> 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 just imagining that as the title of the podcast. 
Like, if, if, if perverts had their own version of smart or whatever it is, the, the, first, the first letter would have to be H for hide your balaclava. But like, just like any form of crime, don't leave it on the staircase. No. But it's typical, that's how all men would get caught out. First, by buying flowers. Second, <laughs> by just being like, right, I'll take that upstairs later. I'll put it there. I'll be, up, I'll, I'll be going up tonight, so I'll just take it up then. Um, so Maxine runs to Steph's with this balaclava. Um, she's worried about going to the police and whether they'll believe her because she's Seddon's girlfriend and she's got her, her kind of history of run-ins with the police. Um, meanwhile, um, Kim and Andrew and Jack and Davina have gone for their very strange meal. Uh, Kim and Andrew order the same thing and Davina basically just goes, oh, so you guys are going to sleep together then? <laughs> it, it's very weird. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty certain me and you've been to restaurants and ordered the same thing. Exactly. I've never slept with you. No. Yeah, again, this is another bad example of just men not explaining themselves properly. So Jack in this scene gets a call from Steph. Yes. And it's about the attacker, so he's going to go and investigate it. But rather than say to Davina, I've got information about the attacker, when she says, you're going to run off and go see Steph, he, she says, you're going to go off see Steph. He goes, yes, I am. And I'm not going to tell you why. It's like, just tell her, just say, I've got information about the pervert who's attacking school children. I want to go investigate it, rather than just, like, wind up your girlfriend by saying, I'm leaving you to go see another woman you know I've had sex with. Especially because he says to Kim and Andrew, like, keep your phones on and ready. Like, what does Davina think is happening? Like, keep your phones on in case I have to tell you about the incredible encounter. Six of us can meet (laughs) up in parks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Jack's just trying to stoke a few fires. <laughs> but yeah, Jack um Jack rushes over, um rushes over to um to, to Steph's um where um they find out that, that that Kevin is um the attacker. Jack calls the police and um that all resolves itself um uh, pr- pretty well. Um back at the restaurant, um Kim uh tells Andrew that she likes him. Um, and he sort of bats it away because he immediately turns into Hugh Grant in any situation and just flounders and flubs and never actually gets to saying what he means. He needs to sit down for a beer with Tom. <laughs> yes. Tom only says what he means. <laughs> and what he means is it's Lorna's fault. <laughs> and Which is essentially what Andrew says. <laughs> yeah. It perfectly suits Andrew to blame Lorna. But he says... But I don't understand why Andrew tells Kim it's too late. Because, as we know, having sex with Lorna is not too late for anybody in this show. It never stopped Tom and Izzy. No. It's just the nearest couch. <laughs> yeah. If having sex with Lorna meant you had no other relationships, then none of the men in this show would ever have relationships by the sounds of it. No. Um, yeah, we, so we also get a strange interaction um, between... Uh, uh, first Davina and Brett and then Brett and Mika. So Davina is angry at Jack. So she texts Brett who's sort of brooding in his, in his den or whatever he calls it. Um, My den. We, we, we My see 17 get... year old den. <laughs> um, so he uh, gets the text message. We see him leave. We assume he's going to see Davina, but twist, he's going to see Mika because it's Mika that he really wants. Um, and Mika just goes, yeah, not tonight. And she says, it's really complicated, which is usually a euphemism. But in this circumstance, it's really complicated. It is really complicated. (laughs) Mika does, however, break her family habit and decides not to get into a boy's car late at night and drive (laughs) off. She would have, if if there were other classmates in there, she would have done. (laughs) If if they'd been drinking, she'd be like, well, I have to join you now. Yeah. Uh, we then we get quite an affecting scene then with um, with Steph and Maxine, where Steph asks Maxine if if you know Kevin ever did anything to her, and she sort of says that he, he didn't, but she now after seeing how her mother was that day, she doesn't know how her mother would have reacted if Kevin ever had done something. Um, she says she feels like she has no one um, in the world, um, and then she um, stays with Steph. Um, so it's actually it's another very nice scene in the midst of kind of all this soapy drama. I have two questions. Well, one's a, one's more of a statement actually. Oh, I'm, here we I'm go. I'm the worst. Ooh, I'm the film, worst film person. Q and A guy. <laughs> I'm the worst person you've ever seen at a conference. Um, <laughs> Steph 
Steph has the spare room of every aunt who ever existed. Yes. We Absolutely, have all slept like... in spare rooms like that with family members. <laughs> and also, just, you know, to pick up on the events of the show that have happened so far in, um, you know, in this episode, would we assume that Steph having a school pupil sleep in her house would be investigated by people? <laughs> Do we think that any of this might be followed up? Steph has spent the whole day following this drama of is Tom a pervert or not because a girl slept over in his house. And she's like going, yes, I'll have this girl who also ha- is recovering from a drug addiction. She can stay at my house and there'll be no repercussions to any of this. Yeah, there will. It, it seems that the, the show makes exceptions for when it's sweet and nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rather than horribly inappropriate. There's a there's a really nice scene when um, uh, Seddon is being released from the police station as Kevin is being dragged in. And we get a, a little grin from, from Lewis as he as he it's, is proven right. But the odd thing is, is like in this episode you kind of you're meant to see Lewis as the hero because he's the one who's actually chasing the pervert down. When Lewis was the he's the one Lewis who's motivated. Yeah. The reason Lewis the reason Lewis is not at school is for incidents very similar to the ones that have been happening. So yes. it's just very odd that the kind of framing of this is, ah, Lewis has proved right. He was the hero for getting the pervert right all along when, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's strange. And, and the Lewis Seddon character is, you can feel, shifting in a, in, in a, a, a direction of sorts where sometimes he's really horrible and other times they're trying to make him more of a reasonable human. So yeah, when, when, whenever, they, whenever they need him to be the baddie, he's the baddie. Yeah, yeah, he's just a chaotic bad guy. Like, whenever they need Lorna to create some kind of emotional instability, they'll just do it for some reason. Yeah, they, and they do always, the same with Lewis. You know, break the Lewis Seddon glass if they need someone <laughs> to be a bit slimy for a few minutes, to be a slug. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, so the, just to wrap it up, the final shots of the episode are um, Izzy kind of crying herself to sleep. And then Tom and Lorna both kind of unable to sleep uh, at hers as they all deal with the various dramas that are happening in their lives. I am surprised it took us 16 episodes to get to a first people trying to sleep but can't montage. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it'd be, we'd be eight of them into here. There's just so, a lot going on, isn't it? It is. It's, this is one of those, and I feel like we had like, it was only like two episodes ago we had our last one of these, but it's the big wrap-up of all of the big storylines that are happening. Yeah. I can't remember what was in the next week one. What kind of major spoilers were in the next week one? Um, so next week we have uh, there's a new kind of teaching assistant who turns up at the school. Um, if I remember this upcoming episode rightly, this is an episode where we sort of get a teacher of the week rather than a student of the week. Oh, um, very nice. So we get the new teaching assistant. Davina decides she wants to be a teaching assistant. Um, Lorna and Izzy are having this strange row about Tom. Um, and there's this whole thing about what's going to happen to Maxine and whether she's going to go to a homeless unit. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, they're the kind of major threads in the next time. So it feels like another sort of starting point episode. Yeah, because we both we all know that they just can't have less than eight plots going at once. No, that's it. So yeah, lots has to happen. But I think this episode was, as a whole, less troubling than the last one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, I, I do think like the general like, interrogation stuff plays out quite well. Um, there doesn't seem to be much of a kind of actual like conclusion to whether, whether they decide Tom did it or not. That, they kind of just seem to like abandon that halfway through. Well, yeah, because Jack decides he's not going to take any further action. And then, it still feels like you should find out whether it happened or not. And then all of the subsequent fallout is just how Izzy reacts. Yeah, because it just, again, I suppose Jack is the king for proclaiming sexual incidents with school children and then just <laughs> never following up on it. Exactly, yeah. That's it. Yeah, so I suppose it is in his character for everyone to just go, but yeah, it feels like Kim and Andrew were convinced Tom had a case to answer to. But then Jack says, no, and they're both like, right, let's go have dinner and discuss our own sexual yeah. tension. That's it. You know what Jack's like, though? He goes out like a bull at a gate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's a gladiator. He won in the Colosseum. 
what yeah. a crazy show this is it really is it's a, but it's fun isn't it fun this week feels like it's this week feels like it's fun again it was yeah it was fun this week i, I didn't like twist myself in knots trying to delicately handle an issue i'm not qualified to talk about <laughs> so that's good yeah so it feels like next week we're going to be on slightly saner ground oh Having, i don't know um... they'll do something <laughs> But at least, you know, if we can depend on one thing, is that they will include Naive by the Kooks. Oh, I think it was, it was missing from this episode. You could have had Naive from the Kooks. <laughs> but at some point, at some point, they've just been using it as like a button. <laughs> the opening, I haven't heard the opening to Naive by the Kooks so many times in my life. So what is our song this week? Oh, Which of the kind of sh- Shazamables are you going to go with? <laughs> or can we just do Hole Again by Atomic Kitten? <laughs> We should specifically use the version last week with the, uh, no. the terrible poem. No, no, no. It, it's almost looking like it's going to have to be Dog in a Bag by the Fratellis, just so you can hear that song for the first time, if nothing else. You can listen to the end of these. <laughs> but as soon as you finish talking, it's at off. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm only here for my bits. <laughs> I'll send you a clean edit that's just your end of the conversation, if you want <laughs> Oh, that'd be good. That would be. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that I'm actually like really excited for about this show is all of the, the things you see. So like if you go on the Waterloo Road IMDb page, none of our characters are in the image. Like we are not at peak Waterloo Road yet. So I'm like, I'm kind of worried about where all of our characters go. I'm wondering if it's going to be like some kind of dream team thing where every two series is like an explosion and all of the cast is reset. No, what happens in Waterloo Road is you'll come back on episode one of a, season, a series and they'll just go, oh, it's a shame that so-and-so left. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're never seen again. <laughs> Coochie, Coochie died on the way back to his home planet. Exactly. You're breaking my heart all the way with your dog and a bag, I need your badness just to get through the day.